Well, America, it is finally here, election day, and it feels like anything could happen. We've got all the latest election coverage, and it starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters on this election day. I'm Hillary Kennedy. I'm still filling in for Sarah Gonzalez, who's on maternity leave, but she's going to be here tonight for our election coverage. So if you miss her, you definitely don't want to miss that. And with me today, too, we're really lucky because we have Mr. Steve Dace, who flew in town, the host of the Steve Dace Show here on Blaze TV. Hey. Thanks for being here. And you then, bet. of course, Mr. Stu Begier. On Blaze TV, Stu Does America, yes. also one of my favorite shows. Thank you. Doing America every night. <laughs> and you do it so well. Thank you so much. <laughs> Impressed with your stamina. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As I get older, it gets harder. Yes. <laughs> so I've been told. Yeah. <laughs> Such an awkward start to this. I, Welcome I, to the locker I kind room. Of love it. Yeah. You're the host. It's your freaking yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, gosh, I can't believe it's finally here. We've had this buildup that's just, it feels like it's been going on forever. A lot of people have said, you know what, I'm not as nervous as I thought I would be. Some people are a nervous wreck. I want to know, how are you guys feeling today? I am not nervous at all, and uh, I thought that I would be. And in my career, um, this is the first time that um, I have not just analyzed a general election, but am invested as a voter. I have not voted for a GOP presidential nominee since 2004. Wow. And so um, I, I just thought the next few weren't worthy of my vote, which they have. They actually the, the previous two, uh, Mr. R uh, McCain and Romney proved in their subsequent actions. And then the, the guy I thought for sure was going to prove me right actually did the opposite. OK. Uh, and, and Donald Trump and ended up doing much better than I thought. So this is the first time that I have been not just analyzing this professionally, but I'm personally invested. And I thought for sure, man, I'd have all kinds of butterflies and everything else. And instead, I'm totally at peace. And I realized this morning why it is. It's because we're going to get clarity tonight. I like to know what the truth is, even if it's a truth that's not nice. It, I can't fix an issue or a problem if I don't know that it exists. Tonight, especially with the turnout model we're seeing around the country, this is not this is bigger than than if, if now just, hey, Trump did this and blew this. This is a reckoning that you're watching with the turnout numbers. And we're going to find out tonight uh, what's left of the old America and, and whether there's enough to, to still be, if whether there still is a silent majority or not that's no longer silent. And if there's not, then we got the truth on that too. And then we as conservatives will have to assess how we re-engage from that time forward to realize, yes, that America does want creeping Marxism and face diapers. They do want that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I don't, I don't feel nervous about it. I think there's a, uh, there's only so much you can do to control the world, you know. And like as Steve points out, like I, I'm, I'm at that point where I want it to be over. You know, we've had a long buildup, a lot of talk about this. I'm ready to talk about something else. But we really can't. You know, 2024? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who's going to run? Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can only control so much. Like, you, you can want the McRib to be on the menu every single time. But it's not going to be until McDonald's allows it. Uh, so, you know, that's all you can do is kind of sit back. And now we're at the point where everyone's done what they're going to do. Watch the results come in. And I think we will learn uh, quite a lesson about uh, about our country and the direction we're, you know, what we're going to be dealing with for at least the next four years and maybe longer. Do you think we'll get any answers tonight? I think based on the turnout, I'm seeing I'm more optimistic that we will than I was when I woke up this morning. 
Um, my, my fear, I was on a, a, a national Christian show yesterday talking about the election, and the host said, hey, is there something you'd want our audience to pray for? And I said, pray that we get a definitive result that doesn't require Pennsylvania. Because uh, for the past week and a half, I've been sounding the alarm. This has a very Florida 2000 vibe. It's not just bias. Like in Florida, they were just trying to steal the election, which I can totally respect. You know, I mean, game, recognize game. Right? Don't hate the game, hate the player. Don't hate the player, hate the game, right? So they were just clearly trying to steal it, all right? They're trying to steal it there, but if you've been watching Pennsylvania's government during the virus, they're also very bad at this, okay? I mean, they've got an SNL skit for a health director. The AG is a sociopath, and and and. You know, the governor stood up and, and, and looked in the camera last week and said, I really think that the peaceful, pro- I hope these peaceful, peaceful protests in Philadelphia continue. I, I mean, <laughs> so when you, when you come, you can be corrupt or dumb. When you combine corrupt and dumb, <laughs> uh, civil wars occur. And, and so I'm, I'm really hoping that there will be a definitive answer without them. And based on what I'm seeing in the trend lines, I think there's a chance at that beginning with Florida about nine o'clock Eastern time tonight. We talked a, lot of, a little bit about this on radio earlier. I mean, Steve's more optimistic than I am uh, for Trump. I think, though, and I, I think if you look at the way this is going to fall, uh, fall tonight, and I think you're totally right on Pennsylvania, you don't want to depend on it. Um, and it is, it's, if you're going to get it, it's probably going to take a while. Um, and it's going to take days and days of them counting. They're not even starting really to count until they've said we're not starting until tomorrow. So all these mail-in votes are not even going to start to be counted until tomorrow. So you're not going to get that answer tonight. I think if you're going in as you're looking, you know, if you're in the Trump campaign, you probably want this to come to a point where you're not getting a call tonight. The call tonight I see is if Biden wins Florida or Biden wins Georgia and North Carolina or something. One of these early states. If you get that call tonight, obviously Trump's in big trouble. He's going to have to find another path. And and there's not many available if you were to lose Florida. Um, If Trump wins Florida um, by a narrow margin, um, He's in the game completely and has a bunch of paths, and, and this will go on. But that path probably has something to do with Pennsylvania, maybe with, with the Wisconsin that we might get an answer tonight. Um, the only way, I guess a blowout for Trump, if you, if you had a 10-point win in Florida, something like that, that would be something different. But, I mean, most likely I think this probably does go a couple days if Trump's going to win it. Now, both of you are really good with the data and the numbers and all that. Why do you think the pollsters are having so much trouble trying to predict the outcome? (laughs) All the answers to that question are bad. (laughs) Um, All the potential answers. It it could just be, well, spontaneous suckage. A whole bunch of really smart people just suddenly just got dumb. That's an option. (laughs) Uh, There's a more nefarious option. Um, and then there's a middling option where they didn't get dumb and they're not openly trying to rig fake polls as much as there's just certain narratives that are inconvenient that they just chose not to include. And as somebody who's done polling, as somebody who's studied it professionally, um, you have a, a poll is only as good as a poll is a model. And it's only as good as two things, the efficacy and integrity of the person or the persons that commissioned it. Uh, And then the assumptions that they begin it with. If you begin with an assumption, for example, let's leave all the nefarious motivations out and try to be fair. Let's say you begin with the assumption that a president is only as good as his approval rating. right. Then you better recognize whether or not that approval rating. Are you sure that that on the efficacy and um, and the integrity of that? 
Um, but then when, let, but then when you are confronted with new information, and this is something I said to you guys, to you and Glenn about a month or two ago, look at the voter registration numbers around the country. Are you including that into your assumptions? That is occurring in real time. You are watching Republicans wipe out 70% of the Democrat voter registration advantage in Florida. You cannot just pull off a 2016 voter file and then weight in the presidential approval rating in the state. And then here's what I think is going to happen. When you see a number like that, you need to call a T.O., as Dick Vitale would say, get a T.O., baby. And you need to reassess what, who you're, you are, because do you have who those new Republican voters are? Are they on your voter file? Are they on your call list? Do you know what part of the state they're coming from? And we saw this occur in all of these battleground states. And I can just tell you, they never really moved at all based on that information. They've kind of moved here down the stretch, which I don't think is based off information, but hedging, trying to do some CYA. (laughs) Did you include that new information? Because if you did not, then you're a day late and a dollar short of what's actually happening on the ground. It's going to be interesting to see all that play out, right? I mean, like all this buildup, all these models, all these sites, all these people that become celebrities for a couple of months to like tell us all these little nerdy numbers. Like Robert Cahaley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like Robert Cahaley yeah. either the new Nate Silver or like in a yeah. week we're going to look at each other and say, remember that Robert Cahaley dude? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because I mean, yeah, it's true. Like I think there's definitely a combination of what you're talking about. Like there are definitely bad actors in the, just like any, I guess, any field, right? There are bad actors who are trying to put a narrative in. There's Democratic leaning pollsters or Republican leaning pollsters. Some of them, I think are good some of them even with the leans you know some of them are shady and they're you know they seem like they're pretty much just making this stuff up uh, we're going to see, I guess, you know, again, who, who comes down. I mean, the, the polls in 2018 were decent. They did a pretty good job in 2018. Not not as great, especially in the in the Rust Belt in 2016, as we all are very aware. Um, so we're going to see how this how this kind of plays out uh, over the next uh, over the next day or so. I'm, I'm interested to kind of see uh the sort of after effects of it, you know, I mean, like every single time and, you know, Steve, we've talked about this before in the air. Every single time one of these things goes by, everyone tries to correct the most recent problem, right? The most recent problem in 2016, like, oh, we didn't wait on education enough. So then they tried to do that. But like, that doesn't mean they're capturing everything. I, I still think, you know, Donald Trump, if you're just talking straight polling error, the most obvious thing to me. It could just be that Donald Trump is a unique guy that breaks polling, right? It could very well just be that. Mm -hmm. But I think also there's a chance that like, you know, just like we've never gone through something like the last eight months, like, you know, lockdowns and people, you know, people not leaving their home for months and, you know, pandemic talk and all this stuff. Pollsters have never gone through it either. They don't know how to poll in the middle of this. And if there's going to be a systemic error that's going to cover like the gaps here, I think that could be part of it. There could be something there that they're missing where people are saying they're mailing in their ballot or saying they're going to go out to the poll and maybe they don't. Or, you know, maybe we it's hard to know until afterward really what's going to happen. But like I would not be surprised if there's a major thing built into the sort of pandemic world that they're not seeing. Mm -hmm. And it may not be nefarious. Some of it may be. uh, But some of it may just be they're just missing it. I mean, it's not easy. I don't think it's an easy thing to get, no. but they, it's, it's a difficult yes. industry to try to project, you know, 160 million people's opinion. But, you know, it, they are in that position now that if they have two of these in a row, if the polling industry misses this two in a row, like yeah. they're just going to blow the whole thing up and you're <laughs> yeah. never going to hear another poll. Like Michael Ironsides and his <laughs> scanners, his head just explodes. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the biggest polling miss in American history was 1948. And polling was just in its infancy then. But what happened is... Um, we were still largely a segregated country. Um, So black people just weren't polled. 
And then the assumption was that they would vote Republican because they had since, you know, Lincoln gave them the right to vote. And what happened is Harry Truman, after World War II, desegregated the military. That was considered, this is pre-Brown versus Board of Education now. So this was considered the biggest civil rights move since the Emancipation Proclamation. And Harry Truman received a massive amount of black voters that weren't polled by largely white pollsters and then just assumed they were going to vote Republican. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we upset Thomas Dewey in what's considered the biggest upset in American history. A a mass of new voters that just were not previously considered in the paradigm made a massive migration. I bring that example up because of the kinds of throngs of crowds that we have seen for the last several days. This is nothing like even what Donald Trump was drawing four years ago. This is different. And I wonder if he has broken through like the fourth wall. One of the things I've struggled with in this business is how do we reach that? How do we get that conservative person that buys things like Blaze TV, but then they don't show up at Republican primaries, and that's how Lindsey Graham wins all the time. (laughs) These guys win when it's low turnout. We want high turnout. We want to bring all the masses of conservative grassroots there. And I wonder if Trump has found a way to reach that next layer of person And that is what we're watching transpire right now with these. I mean, Texas began the day at 106% of its turnout in 2016. Florida got to 100% of its turnout at 11 a.m. this morning. These are, and he's going to win both of those states, I believe. And so if if he wins those, the two of the three most populous states in the country with mass turnout, I think that flips the narrative of what we're going to see the rest of the night. Well, it's been amazing to me, too, how many people have confessed happily on social media that they lied when they were polled and said that they weren't (laughs) voting for Trump. Because it is it is awkward if you're talking to someone and you don't know how they feel and they're asking you who you're voting for. And just innately, we want people to like us or we don't want someone to be offended or whatever it is. And so a lot of people lie because they're uncomfortable. Right. But a lot of people lie because they're trolling. Yeah. Well, a lot of people are trolling. And so I think that's going to be interesting to see how many people did, you know, give a dishonest answer and are actually voting for Trump. It'd be very interesting to see. All right, so we've got more to come, but first we want to thank our sponsor, Patriot Mobile. You know, leftist corporations like Verizon, they've empowered radicals to tear our country apart by funding their efforts, most recently sending $10 million to Al Sharpton and some others. And it started with impeachment, then exploiting the pandemic, followed by violent riots, and now they're threatening violence over everything that happened with the Supreme Court. So Patriot Mobile shares your values and won't send your hard-earned money to aid in the destruction of America. America or fund Planned Parenthood. You can get the same nationwide service and support a company that loves America, shares your values, and supports our police. And switching is easy. You keep your phone number, you bring your own phone, or you can buy a new one. And now they have their best offer yet. You can get a free month of service or a free phone, plus free activation with the offer code NEWS. Just go to patriotmobile.com news or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. Veterans and first responders, they save even more. So please make the switch today. That's patriotmobile.com slash news, patriotmobile.com slash news. We'll be back in a minute. We couldn't celebrate Election Day without hearing from Nancy Pelosi, right? So (laughs) she's saying that the lower chamber is ready if the election between President Donald Trump and nominee Joe Biden ends up disputed and in the hands of Congress. Let's take a listen. Are you confident in the resilience of American democratic systems to handle a contested election if it comes to that? Our country is a great country. We're even great enough to survive 
one term of Donald Trump. Two terms would be such a serious setback that I worry for our country. But what if the outcome is disputed? What if this is being fought in the courts or there is a constitutional crisis? I I mean, there are all kinds of scenarios. And in some of them, the Speaker of the House plays a prominent role. And the Speaker of the House is ready for that prominent role. But let's not worry about that right now. What we want to be ready for is a big vote tomorrow to dispel any thought other than that on January 20th, Joe Biden will be inaugurated president of the United States, that we will have a Democratic House and a Democratic Senate. Okay, so The Hill reported that should the presidential election not present a clear winner by electoral vote, then it is up to the House to choose the next president. Do you think that there's a possibility that it may come down to Congress? No, I don't. Not at all? Nope. Uh, I mean, I, you I know, know, it's theoretically possible, right? I mean, okay. we can all we can all do fantasy sure. league stuff, right? Sure. And, and it's fun to play that game. I mean, there is there's a, a relatively logical map that ends up at 269, 269. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's probably not going to happen. happen. And if it does, it, you know, then it goes to the House, right? And, and yep. they have this, uh, you know, each state gets a vote. Uh, yep. It's possible there that could tie it 25, 25. And then you could go to the Senate where they've chosen the vice president and that could be 50, 50. Uh, <laughs> and we can just keep going. Uh, eventually, though, the end of that game is the woman you just heard gets to be president in the United States for at least at some point, uh, Nancy Pelosi. So that's, I think, the, that's the end game. we got to get Nancy in. That's the only way this works out. This is the only 2020 thing that can happen. It has to, to be, be Nancy president. Pelosi at the White House. <laughs> oh, no. I, I, don't, I don't think that we can. I think, I don't know who it was that asked that question. But I, I think um, that's a very pertinent question. Uh, and I, I really think that the hard left in America is plunging its, the country into the conditions for a civil war. And that's why I'm very concerned about Pennsylvania, is if you create a situation where both sides now feel as if they were aggrieved um, and, and disabused by the system, then... At, at that point, there's there's no mutual assured destruction, meaning you don't launch at me because I launch at you and it's a war that nobody can win. Mm-hmm. That's when you get to divorce American style. And that is my concern. And I, I don't think the American people, given the divisions and fissures in our culture, have anything close to the patience for the process that you just laid out. <laughs> You're totally right. This is, this is, this is going to end up in the streets uh, before it ends up in, in, in the process that Stu laid out from the Constitution. Right. Well, I'll tell you who doesn't want people announcing the results of the election, and that's social media giant Twitter. Um, They're saying a warning label will be placed on tweets that announce the results of the election before official sources declare the results. So this policy, it's meant to undermine the spread of misinformation about election results. At a time when President Donald Trump and Joe Biden are warning their supporters about false election results. Um, So they said we may label tweets starting on election night that make claims about election results before they're officially called will be prioritizing the presidential election and other highly contested races where there may be significant issues with misleading information. Um, uh, They're saying that any that accounts of any 2020 election candidate were eligible for the warning label, including President Trump's account. So the people, the official election uh, sources that they're going to use to kind of help determine what's official, Fox News, ABC News, the Associated Press, CNN News, and NBC News. So it's also going to be monitoring threatening tweets. As we've seen with Twitter, do you think there's any way they're going to do this in a fair manner? 
<laughs> no, uh, probably not. <laughs> I mean, the warning to sign thing, I mean, I don't really care about it. I mean, I, I, does anyone actually read them? I mean, it's just a, you know, I, I, who cares if they could put warning line signs on all of my tweets. I've actually clicked on more Trump tweets in the last couple of months than I have right. ever. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. of the warning. I'm like, all right, <laughs> hey, hey, there's a awesome. warning. I want to see what yeah. he says now. Yeah, now yeah. I'm interested. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I look, I, elections don't actually get called on election night. You know, it usually it takes for, the, for them to officially be done. This is a media thing. We do it because we want to understand it, but it's not actually how the election process works. Uh, you know, I mean, Twitter, Twitter, I think, did itself a disservice and all these companies did a disservice when they decided we need to be involved in this stuff. Yep. Like the, the idea that the, the Twitter is saying that they need to censor or edit or warn people about statements made by the president of the United States is completely ridiculous. Yes. Like they would have such an easy out to say any elected official gets to say whatever they want on our platform. And we hope people try to correct it if they're lying. Instead, they try to get themselves involved because they're getting, you know, part part of it is because they want to affect the election. Part of it is because they've got a lot of democratic uh, money and power nearby that is trying to influ- influence them to do the things that they want. It's an it's an impossible situation. They can't do it right. No one can do it right. I mean, you can put anybody in charge of this that you want, and they would screw up the way that this is implemented. It's a total disaster. They should have abandoned it a long time ago. So you think that there's not throngs of people waiting in line to vote in Oregon, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. and then one guy is sitting in line and he yells out, hey, Pez Dispenser 14 said Trump swept the Rust Belt and he's gonna. It, it's over. It's over. Let's and go then, home. And then a bunch of people in Oregon just decide, ah, oh, you know, screw it, no go point home. in voting. Yeah, right? yeah, I, I'm. I think that's a problem. That's the way I'm leaning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that that doesn't really. I'm not happen. exactly sure who are these sources because, frankly, anybody that they are concerned about, Twitter's probably already banned from their platform. Right. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. who is it they're concerned about? Right. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, you know, when people do end up predicting the winner, especially like last time, you know, the people who predicted that Trump was going to win, a lot of them became kind of famous because, mm-hmm. the, you know, everyone else had thought for sure it was going to be Hillary Clinton. So anyway, there's a, a bakery in Pennsylvania that predicted the last three elections correctly. So they, they sell these Trump and Biden themed cookies. And they said the Trump themed cookies are outselling the Biden themed cookies uh, at a six to one rate. So Kathleen Loschel, she's the owner of Loschel Bakery, she said, Trump cookies are such a hot commodity, people are driving from nearby states just to pick them up. Uh, The cookie poll began two months ago, and it has accurately predicted the outcome of the last three elections. She said, we plan on tallying them up tomorrow night to do our final tally, but right now Donald Trump is in the lead. We've sold about 28,000 Trump cookies to 5,000 of Biden's. By the end of today's sales, knowing the orders we have, the Trump cookie sales should approach 29,000. She said, this is definitely by far the busiest we've ever been. She said, their cookie sales now are higher than they they are even during the Christmas season. Mm. So um, the cookie poll, their tally will end tonight. It won't continue past Election Day, even if votes remain unaccounted for. And they said in the event of a Biden or a Trump victory, they will be selling celebratory cookies to whichever camp wins the White House. Steve, is this something we can put our faith in? <laughs> you know, maybe these models there are. Okay? There's the LSU-Auburn, whoever wins that game mm-hmm. thing. I saw that over the weekend. I mean, there's like 50 of these guys. This guy has predicted every election but one. 
And then you find out it was he, the one he was wrong about was the last one. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, I mean, there's this is as good as just about any. That, that, that's probably as good as most of the models I've studied this year. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think this is a part, at least a signifying factor of that. The fact that this election is not about Joe Biden. No one cares. Right. He could be literally anyone. It's just one person yes. election. Do you want Trump? Do you not want Trump? Yes. That's yeah. what this election yep. is. And I think like at the end of the day, the American people are going to decide if they want four more years of Trump or if they want four more years of some something else. It's not about Biden. It's not about Kamala Harris. It's not about leftism or socialism, really, at this point, though, if Biden wins, it will be. Yep. Uh, but right now, the people, the American people, you know, Trump has done a, a, a great job in busting up the media, right? He's been able to cut through all of this. He's been able to make his narrative the narrative, which is an incredible talent. It's also something that makes you the main news story in everyone's life all the time. Everyone is thinking about Donald Trump all the time. Everything he does, everything he tweets, everything he says, everything he thinks. Mm -hmm. And so that's how people are making this decision, you know, tonight. And uh, that's that's what we're going to see. Do people want more Donald Trump? Do they not want more Donald Trump? I also will say, I don't know what year Donald Trump's hair looked like they they had on on those cookies. Uh, (laughs) It's not the current hair. They've taken... They've taken like 1985 Donald Trump hair and put it on 2000. That's you know, is that Marv Albert or Donald Trump? <laughs> it looks like Marv Albert. <laughs> I will say they nailed Joe Biden. He still has that. What am I looking at? Who am I? Why yeah. am I here? They Just did nail that, I think. The, uh, yeah. That distant look in the eye. He still has that. Yes. <laughs> well, all I know, whether he wins or loses, 28,000 people are going to be. Well, I guess not 28,000 people. A lot of you will be eating those cookies tonight because... I'm guessing you aren't just going to eat one. So, (laughs) All right, we've got more to come. Uh, First, we want to thank our sponsor, Gabby Insurance. You know, when you've had the same car insurance or homeowner's insurance for years, you kind of get trapped into paying your premiums and not thinking about it. And that makes it really easy to overpay, and you don't even realize it. So stop overpaying for car and homeowner's insurance. See about getting a lower rate for the exact same coverage you already have, thanks to Gabby. Gabby takes the pain out of shopping for insurance by giving you an apples-to-apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers like Progressive or Nationwide and Travelers. You just link your current insurance account and in just minutes you'll be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage you currently have. Gabby customers, they save $825 per year on average, and if they can't find you savings, they will let you know so you can relax knowing you already have the best rate out there. And they'll never sell your info, so no annoying spam or robocalls. It's totally free to check your rate. There's no obligation. Take a few minutes right now. Stop overpaying on your car and your home insurance. Go to Gabby.com slash Y. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash Y. Gabby.com slash Y. We'll be back in a minute. There is a leaked Zoom call that reveals some pretty terrifying Election Day plans. Um, There are dozens of leaked internal documents and Zoom call video footage. It it was made public and it is done by progressive activists and federal workers that saying they want to disrupt and destabilize our election outcome, including plans to shut down the White House. The information, it was leaked by a disaffected insider of the Sunrise Movement, um, part of a loose but extremely coordinated network of liberal activists mobilizing around the country and just wanting to create chaos. Uh, The videos and documents discuss a well-coordinated plan to shut down federal buildings, like I said, including the White House, public transportation portals, disrupt Congress when it returns post-election. If you don't know, Sunrise is an umbrella movement comprised of 400 hubs and hundreds of affinity groups, including 350.org and Extinction Rebellion. Mm -hmm. 
they've also enlisted some key players. Uh, Lisa Fithian, a longtime organizer and trainer. She, she had stints with Occupy Wall Street, various unions. So in part of this call, a woman says they need to secure guns and take over important government buildings. Let's take a listen. We have to be willing to put our bodies on the line and take on some discomfort, sacrifice, risk in order to change things. And I've been in conversations where people have never thought about having a gun or like, should I have a gun? But I think we have to know, and I'm going to talk a little bit in a few minutes about what do we do when guns are in the mix? So again, chaos is a soup by which change emerges. Let's get cooking. Again, we didn't cause the war. We didn't ask for this war. Many of us are here because we want to fight it. We want something different. What are we willing to do? Right? Because again, we're not dealing with people with just simple guns. We're dealing with people with AR, you know, AK-47s, multiple rounds, a lot of shootings. So, um, yeah, we are going to be in a crisis, but we want it to be one that we are creating. We want to make sure that we are on the offense and not the defense. We want them to be responding to us and us not responding to them. In a situation of a coup or an insurrection or an uprising, whoever's got the guns often can win. We should be clear, like, it's got to go. Trump's got to go. In order to achieve what they did, they knew they had to take over important government buildings. They knew they had to try and win over members of the police and army, and they had to protect each other. I think we don't have a lot of experience taking over government buildings. And we might need to think about that. And I know, as I, you know, I said earlier how, you know, we may find ourselves in the streets with people with different tactics than ours. But like, there may be some people that are willing to break the windows to get into the government buildings. Like, if that's what we need to do, then we shouldn't fight about that. Let's do that. Wow. I mean, it sounds like they're preparing for war, essentially. She's almost giving like a PowerPoint presentation on going to war. Do you think they're actually going to do the things that they're threatening? Well, I mean, first of all, I've sworn off leaked Zoom calls since Jeffrey Tubin. Uh, so I don't normally watch them. Uh, but uh, I, I do That th- was a severe link. <laughs> I was, uh, I think, I, look, they, the Sunrise Movement is bad news. I mean, the, the other groups you're talking about, Extinction Rebellion, 350.org, you know, extreme environmentalist groups, this, these are really bad, nasty groups that do actually plan these things. Um, you know, the problem is, especially right now with the, you know, the way, the insanity that surrounds uh, the hatred of Donald Trump it's like there's fuel in, in there's enough fuel in regular people to join these types of things. And I think that's what makes it really scary. There's always crazy people out there planning crazy things, um, but they're getting, you know, there's this constant. I mean, social media is certainly a big part of this that makes it much worse. But there's this constant feeding that this is I mean, you see the people in their car when Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, uh, passed away and they had and they had the woman in the car was driving and just like screaming like, no, like these people act as if. Mm-hmm. Adolf Hitler is really in the White House, and that is where we are. We're on the verge of slipping into the Holocaust. And it's like when that mindset gets continually pounded into their heads over and over and over again, they start acting crazy. And I think like a movement of, you know, in Portland where you have, you know, these you know, couple blocks that get beat up every night and there's some crazy people and it kind of goes on in this one city, in this one area, that sort of stuff does go on. It seems to grow more and more and more. And we saw that after George Floyd and as you can see, evidenced by every single store in every single city this week, they expect it again tonight because, God forbid, you don't get the person you want elected 
Now, all of a sudden, it's acceptable to go burn down buildings to prove your point. Never been acceptable before. And, uh, you know, I certainly don't find it acceptable now. I don't know anyone on the right who thinks it's acceptable. But that's what's being fed, I think, to so many people. Steve, do you think that if they don't get the result that they want tonight, that they will continue to riot? I think this actually speaks to a larger issue, Hillary, which is, uh, I used a term earlier, mutual assured destruction. This is, there, there was two strategies to Reagan's arm buildup in the 80s. One was to economically bankrupt the Soviet Union, but the other was to present a countermeasure to them so that their generals could not believe in a, a nuclear exchange was winnable because it would be mutually assured destruction. You fire on us, we fire on you, everybody dies. We don't have that politically in America right now. Um, we have not politically punished leftists like this, meaning like you bring you, if you're going to bring drag queen story time hour to my local library, I don't say anything because I don't want to offend people. It used to be I took that note, something like that to ev- I knocked on every door in my neighborhood and I shamed that library board for that. So they wouldn't even contemplate it. There is no political punishment for leftist pushing the fringe. And what happens, therefore, whatever you incentivize in life, you get more of. Since they weren't punished for the everyday radicalism we're seeing, like the riots and stuff you see now, uh, Julie Swetnick becoming a household name, things of like that. No one went to prison for fake Russian collusion or fake coups. You're just going to get more of it. And, and eventually the nut jobs that represent the lunatic fringe here, they get emboldened by what they see the Overton window except through the mainstream. On the right, when we get power in elections, we have to politically punish our opposition so that the Democratic Party will go to people like this and say, we can't have you around because you're going to cause us to lose. We're not going to lose power if, if we give you if we grant you cert, if we grant you a voice. That's like like you see Republicans running away from alt writers all the time. That doesn't happen on the left. We have to punish politically movements like this so that the the mainstream understands we cannot accept this into the into the jet stream. And a big way you can do that is sending a message tonight, right? That's I one mean, way. You know, mm-hmm. But then they have to when they get that power, they have to say things like, mm-hmm. "Hey, those people aren't getting tenure at a university anymore. If you want taxpayer money, things of that nature." Mm-hmm. There must be punishment for losing. And we saw some of that with, you know, the uh, critical race theory stuff yeah. Trump was trying That's to do. A good I thought start. that was a good step yeah. for the, in that direction. And look, there's no, you, you know, if Donald Trump can do this again to them, uh, there's, they're going to have to ex- examine and do this, the same sort of autopsy that, that everybody does after a loss. And it's going to be hard to, I think, separate some of their more extreme factions Agreed. away from these this people loss. are going to get worse. Yeah. They're going yes. to they're going to say, see, you couldn't beat them in the system. That's why you need people like us. The, the, the Democratic Party is, is who's going to have to have a, a, a conversation about how much of this hardcore leftism can we really play footsie with? You know, they they flirt with these people because they mm-hmm. know they destabilize us on the right mm-hmm. and help them to win elections. But if that strategy doesn't work against Trump this year, then I think the Democratic Party is going to have to have a conversation about how much of this do we want to wink and nod at? Absolutely. Reevaluate. All right, we do have more to talk about, but first we want to thank our sponsor, Home Title Lock. And here is how easy home title theft is. The legal titles to our homes, they're digitized and they're kept on government and business servers and in the cloud where they can be hacked. A cyber thief finds your home's title, forges your signature on a quick claim deed stating that you sold your home to him and then done. He takes out loans against your home until all your equity's gone and then leaves you in debt and you won't know until the collection calls pour in. You're not protected by insurance or your bank or common identity theft programs, but Home Title Lock, they protect you. 
Home Title Lock puts a barrier around your home's title, and the instant that they detect tampering, they help shut it down. So go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you are already a victim. And then use code RADIO for 30 free days of protection. That's code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be back in a minute. LeBron James has been in the news quite a bit this year. And this is kind of a, an interesting story about him. So there's an effort, effort, excuse me, driven by celebrities such as former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg and NBA star LeBron James to pay off court fines for tens of thousands of felons in Florida ahead of Election Day. The uh, Tampa Bay Times and Miami Herald found that um, they've paid off the fines of about 40,000 felons, assuming that those felons don't also have other unpaid fees that would bar them from voting. Um, it's believed this effort is to advantage Democrats. So they report these newly eligible voters in the four counties likely skewed toward Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden. At least 80 percent of the felons whose fines and fees were paid were non-white, including 74 percent who are black. About 68 percent of those are registered Democrats. So celebrities and donors, they've spent about $27 million paying off felon debts to the court and society to relieve them of all of those financial obligations so they can register to vote. Now, whether the felons actually do vote is up to them. A ballot initiative gave felons in Florida the right to vote as long as they've paid off all those outstanding fines and fees. Very interesting. Do you think this could be considered voter fraud? No, I don't think it's voter fraud. In fact, um, to to be respectful of your opponent the way that Patton was of Rommel, I think this is actually a better, more effective tactic than a lot of the race baiting and, and fake racism we see them kvetch about uh, in the media. Um, and uh, I, I think that this actually has, a, uh, has an opportunity in the future, if they're serious about it, um, uh, to, 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 to be more effective than a lot of the race baiting that they typically do on the other side. Now, the, the problem they have with this tactic, though, is they're up against a president who has let a lot of these kinds of people out of prison to the chagrin of people like me. All right. So uh, I agree that there's too many drug felons. Um, I don't in prison. I don't think there's too many drug dealers in prison. However, I think those are two totally different things. But I, I think this is actually a more clever tactic than what they typically do, which is just virtue signal in order to get a, a media spot or social ratio, uh, social media ratios. That's my take on it anyway. Yeah, actually, it's a pretty smart tactic. I mean, it, it, you could see how it would be. You're not supposed to be paying people for votes. Yeah. So you could see how it it's sure. walks the line there a little bit. But I mean, it is a pretty smart tactic. I mean, it, just like I think, you know, Donald Trump hanging out with Kim Kardashian and, and uh, you know, that's probably a smart tactic on the other end, you know. Ice Cube and all this is probably yeah, a Donald good, Trump didn't tell Ice Cube he was good for the black community 1.3 million jobs because he didn't want their votes. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. He does. I mean, a lot of this is unfortunate as that's the way that it works. But I think I think it is. I mean, it's got, it's a pretty expensive tactic um, after a while, but it actually results probably in some real votes for for mm -hmm. for Democrats. So. I'm not surprised. I mean, they've got they do have their billionaires out there that will that will spend money. Right. If Bloomberg and some of those guys are willing to pay 27 million. I mean, hey, if they've got it to spend, also, please befriend me. Um, <laughs> all right. This is you know, this is a, a sad story. So I'm sorry to take it down this path. But um, four people were killed and more than two dozen were seriously injured in Vienna and in Austria. Um, 
late yesterday in an assault that government officials said was connected to a radicalized person who sympathized with the Islamic State terror group. Now, the police shot and killed one suspect carrying a rifle and a fake suicide vest. They've been trying to determine whether further attackers might actually be on the run or if the assailant acted alone. People in Vienna, they're urged to stay home if possible. This attack unfolded across six different locations. It was near a synagogue, um, some restaurants, a busy shopping area. The synagogue, I believe, was closed at the time, so they don't know if it was a, a religiously motivated attack. But France has also had quite a few deadly assaults lately as well. So what is what is happening in Europe right now? Because there's a lot unfolding with this. I think what, a trend you see historically is that Whenever, and we, I should, let me make this a little bit more specific. A trend that we have seen in the West, historically, is that the more secularized a culture becomes, usually some form or rise of anti-Semitism usually um, uh, accompanies that. And if you look at where Europe is in terms of secularization, uh, about uh, 2% of, of Western Europe uh, is evangelical. So many of the old uh, great Catholic churches of old have been converted to mosques or shopping centers. And so th this is part and parcel with what we tend to see with hyper-secularization is you tend to see a rise of anti-Semitism that accompanies it. I, for one, am shocked that an Islamic extremist would tear, carry out an attack like this. I mean, it's just not something we've seen before. Right. Uh, I mean, look, you know, this this is happening because of issues of free, even to free speech in France was you know, closely tied to that. Um, these are attacks on, on the, the, the Western way of life. Uh, we should see them for what they are. And, you know, these, when people make promises like this, as they often do in advance, we need to make sure we listen to them because they continue to carry these things out. Well, so do you think this is going to make its way here to the United States more often now that we've seen it happen so much over in Europe? I think you're, you're seeing the ideological, philosophical framework for it. I mean, when you see what people, members of our own congress, congressional delegations, mm -hmm. you see what people like Rashida Tlaib and Ilan Omar say about uh, Israel and the Jewish people. I mean, this is only the, the logical, ultimate manifestation of the premise that they are asserting, right? If that premise is true then why wouldn't I act out this way? Why wouldn't I? If, if the premise of what I've been told from Wahhabi, my Wahhabist uh, sheikh is true, then why would, not, why would I not act this way, right? The idea that it's only really in Western thought, this idea of cafeteria consumerism of philosophy, that I can assent to something to make myself popular and then not actually believe it or people to follow through of it. In older cultures, honor cultures, Bedouin cultures, the exact opposite is true. You see a symmetry between what is asserted and then what is carried out. This is something in the West that because of our wealth and complacency, we just kind of lie to ourselves that we can be double-minded like this. Right. It's yeah. worth noting, I think, too, that like the only real healing done in the last quarter century on this from government to government was done by Donald Trump and Jer Jared Kushner, of all people. Right. Like and by the way, also was not mentioned in any debate. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a fascinating thing. This, this is a huge accomplishment for this administration that has not been noted enough. I'm glad you brought it up on Election Day. Thank you, Stu. All right. We have to go to break. We'll be right back. It was a good reminder because you're right. Like it, it should have come up. And it didn't. Yeah.
Yesterday we asked you who will win the election tomorrow night. 92.8% of you said Donald Trump. Not, not surprised with this audience. Our what? question for today, do you think we'll get the presidential election results tonight? I already know your answers. I want to know your answers, so go online and tell us. And then I want you to stick around. You don't want to miss our election coverage tonight. It starts next with Chad Prather, followed by Election 2020, America at the Crossroads, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern with Glenn Beck, Stubergear, Steve Dace, many, many other special guests. And you can use the promo code BLAZE for $30 off an annual subscription. Best deal ever, so you don't want to miss that. Guys, you excited about tonight? Amped yeah, up? Yeah, Gonna I'm ready to see this thing finally get you know get some real numbers and stuff we can yeah. like look at, and, and then hopefully it'll be over soon. Well, if people are new here and they want to follow what you do, where can they find you? At Steve Day Show on Twitter is a good place. And? At Stu Does America on Twitter is a nice place. Perfect. All right. Things are kicking off right now. Let's go. Where do the billionaires go to follow you and be friends with you? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Mr. Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.